help your children find out who they are and then help them be their best self, regardless if it was what you wanted or not. And when they are old, they won't be trying to figure out who they are. Welcome to the Have It All podcast. I'm Elon Ferdman, and along with my brother Guy, we're Satori Prime. We've spent the last 16 years on a quest of mastery, and not just in business, all areas. Mastery of our finances, our bodies, our relationships, and most importantly, our minds. You see, while most people fantasize about their dream life, we went out and created it. And you bet we learned a few things along the way. So if you want to gain new skills and tools that will help you achieve the life of your dreams, well, you've come to the right place. So get ready to have your mind expanded. Implement what you learn here today, and you'll start living the life of your dreams instead of just, well, dreaming about it. So are you ready to have it all? Let's go. Well, my fellow Satorians, it has come to our attention that many of you are not yet aware of some massive news in the Satori Prime world. So let me let you in on a not so little secret right now. So Guy and I have recently created an app that you can now download on your iPhone or your Android device just by searching for Satori Prime in either iTunes or the Google Play Store. Or if you want, you can even download it directly to your desktop by going to app satoriprime.com and the reviews are in and they are lively things like life-changing i love the gamification i share this with everyone in my life and my favorite how is this free so if you want to join your fellow satorians in our very own exclusive community then like i said head either to your itunes or google play store and search for satori prime or simply go to app.satoriprime.com and install it on your desktop so as soon as you join, what we're going to do is we're going to give you access not only to our amazing community, we're also going to give you access to a completely free 10-part transformational mini-series that we've never released anywhere else. And this is where you can begin to uncover all of these limiting beliefs and start upgrading them. Things like money, overwhelm, procrastination. You'll get to see how you can create accountability in your life like never before, and you'll get to experience life in a whole new way. So if you haven't done so already, come join our Satorian family today. Make sure to go download that app. And now it's time for the episode. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Have It All podcast. So probably the most famous of our pep talk guests. <laughs> Honestly, like every every time people listen to that old one, I, I even repurposed one of our ones from the previous one and people were still emailing me like Steve Sisler's the best Steve Sisler's the best oh, I was like great. I know I know I know that's why I keep telling you guys so uh Steve Sisler welcome back into the new show thanks for being here it's great it's awesome so uh Steve and I were just jamming for a little bit before we got on here if you don't know Steve and this is the first time you're listening I'm gonna toot his own horn a little bit and then I'll let him tell you like the the actual version of what he does um, I am yet to meet a human being that understands human behavior better than Steve um, to the depth of his knowledge and the ability to just look at someone's numbers on a report, which we'll talk about and just dissect who they are, how they operate, why they do the things they do, why they don't do certain things and how human beings find themselves trapped in these boxes sometimes and don't know why. He's give, I've seen him in front of my eyes give people freedom and permission to be more of themselves 
and I do a lot of this work myself. He just takes it to a whole other level. So um, that that's my version. And now you can tell them the scientific <laughs> version of how you, you do all that stuff. And then we'll jump into all the other stuff. Yeah, well, it's uh, – uh, and thanks, Elon, for um, bringing me on again. You're like one of my favorite guys to chat with. <laughs> um, yeah, so – Identifying people's behavior, their motivations, and their worldviews really gives us a sense of their brain. So we talked, I mean, maybe it was a couple years ago when we did that. But since then, I mean, I'm always learning. I'm always studying. I'm always continuing to profile and finding out new insights. And we've just been creating new tools and building a sense of understanding around very basic principles like anger, optimism, patience, and fear. It just doesn't get any simpler than that. And those four primary emotions and harnessing those emotions in their intensities with the seven value elements or what we're now calling the integrated motivational orientation, which is a new report coming out this January and putting these together makes a incredible force of understanding. So knowing how you're wired, how your brain works. Now here, just a couple of interesting things. Some people have what's known as a responsive brain type. And a responsive brain type sees all things of value as lying outside of themselves. And if they want what's outside of themselves, they believe in their brains that it can only be received from some outside source. Hmm. So if if I believe that which I deserve or that which I want or that which is a value can only be received from an outside source, if you don't hand it to me, I can't receive it. Wow. So these are the people that want a raise but can't ask for it. Because if it isn't delivered to them and they're able to receive it with a warm hug and thank you, they're not getting a raise. Because there's a taking orientation, which is a brain type that sees everything in the world of value as important. And if I want it, I got to go get it and take it by force. And when I do that, I wrestle it down and take it home. And so all things, situations, and people are only seen for their usefulness. (laughs) What can that or what can they do for me? So once I figure that out, I walk up to them. Hey, what's going on? Hey, I happen to know this person. You know that person? Because if I think I'm going to develop relationships for the sole purpose of advancing my position in the world, that's far cry from being a responsive person. And so uh, I was doing a seminar a while ago for a uh, wealth management organization out in the Midwest. And they brought in all the people that help the wealth managers. So they're all, a lot of the most of them were responders. Hmm. But they're dealing with takers. Like that's their boss. So you can see the dynamics. And when I was able to kind of lay that out, people are like, oh my God, this is, now I get it. So helping to kind of give them ways of not being somebody other than who they are, but how to better capitalize on who they are. Because we don't want to change people. We just want to help them understand themselves. So There's something so profound. Like, you know, it's one thing to know how you operate. The part of, of the mystery that you untangle for people is how to interact <clears throat> with others. Because you said a line to me, and I repeat it all the time. 
we don't see the way the world is or we don't see the way others are. We see the way we are in other people. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that like every single human being that I've shared it with, it's so easy for them to see. And what I love is that because we're so programmed a certain way, if someone doesn't respond the way that we would normally respond in said situation, we automatically assume that there's something wrong with them. That's exactly right. How, however, you know, wrong is in that situation. Sure. And then what you give people access to is whether it's their children or their spouse or uh, someone, whether their boss or, or an employee, you give them access to see that person for mm-hmm. who they are and pull the best out of them mm-hmm. given those situations I mean, you were even sharing a story um, before we got on about the guy with the laptop, the sales rep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. Like, I feel like that's such a perfect example of, uh, of of what we're talking about. So maybe you want to just share that real quick. Yeah. So working with an organization and they hired uh, a person for a sales uh, role and they were going through a three-month training program. And at the end of that three months, and they go into the field and begin to operate under their training. So they had a manager working with them, training them, bringing them to, you know, into discussions and so forth. And the company, they were brand new. They were a brand new client when this happened. Uh, and it was this year. And they said, the first person we want you to profile is this person. But a caveat, we're letting them go. I said, oh, OK. So, uh, you know, they took the profile and then they called in for their appointment. Now, I didn't say anything other than how is your sales training going? Oh, great. So they didn't even know they were getting let go. So immediately I'm like, okay, this is a management problem. Hmm. Where's the communication? Like, how does he not know he's not doing a good job? Like, what is up with that? So that was a big red flag right out of the gate. But uh, as I talked to them, I clearly attention deficit disorder, um, clearly an emotional limbic driven style, um, clearly forgetful, right? Because no fear. Uh, so, uh, they play soccer in a soccer field, not a minefield. So they're never looking for tripwires. Um, and so I, I get that. I, I circled back to the organization and said, now, why are you letting the person go? And one of the things was they keep forgetting the laptop and a couple other little things. And my comment was, how does forgetting a laptop translating, how is that translating into, I'm not good at selling or I'm not good at connecting? I said, let me ask you this. Why did you hire the person? They're an amazing connector. Great. That's their plus, right? Why are you judging them on their minus? Like, why are you looking at the fact that they're forgetful and then using that as a bar as to whether or not they're good at connecting with people, which is why you hired them? I mean, this is ludicrous. Yep. Right? And so they said, well, you know, and they talked about the sales manager that's managing this person. It was clearly they were opposite styles. So it was a little unsettling for this person to constantly reminding, did you bring the laptop? Well, that work, that's right when you're working together, training him. When he's on his own, you don't have to worry about his laptop. He's gone, right? He's going to worry about it. And if that's going to be contingent on whether or not he sells, based on the profile, trust me, he ain't going to forget it. Yep. Um, so anyway, we worked through some of these dynamics. And I just said, listen, why don't you put him in the field for 90 days rather than training him for 90 days and then losing all that effort? Um, and they did. And within, I believe it was a little over a month, the gentleman had made one of the biggest, if not the biggest sale they ever had. 
And not only that, he recovered a sales account they lost to another sales guy. Wow. They actually changed his title and they made him, basically, he's like an originator. He gets things rolling, gets things started, gets the conversation going, gets some buy-in, and then they pull him out because he starts to get more dysfunctional after that. But that's what he's a genius at. <laughs> so this is what we call, you know, finding your niche. What are you really, really good at? What is your sweet spot? You see, here's the deal. When it comes to employment, less than 25% of the people employed, right, are operating at a maximum talent. Most people, 75% or so, are in potential talent. So when we, when we profile, we see your potential talent. This individual's potential talent was a strong connector, making strong relationships, knowing everybody. That's the potential talent. How do we translate that into actual? Well, if all you're gonna look at is how he forgets stuff, that doesn't translate. That keeps them in potential, but never bring them to actual. The only way to bring an individual in work to actual talent is if you work with their brain type and their environment. The environment has to agree with the type of person it is and create synergy so that they get into that environment and boom, they're in their, they're in their niche. So when he didn't have to worry about forgetting things, but only had to worry about connecting, which is what he's really good at, Synergy happened, so the environment had to change. Most of the time, the environment needs changing, not the person. What, what's fascinating is that both sides, right? Like the guy, had the sales rep, had no idea, and he doesn't even know what kind of training or resources he would need for him to thrive. You know, if, if he understood how he operates, he could have walked in and be like, look, I'm really excellent at this. Mm-hmm. I'm not excellent at this. I thrive with this kind of management style and I can, I know that I can perform if you guys give me this kind of highway to work on. He didn't even do that. Right. That's right. And most people don't. And another good example I have, I have a client in Colorado um, and they called up, I've been working with them a couple of years and they said, all right, um, we need to, get a guy in here to manage all the architects, all the designers. It's a building firm, high end. And so the last person we got didn't work out. And I'm like, have I talked to you about this other person? I don't remember. And he was real quiet. No, he didn't call you. <laughs> okay. That's your first mistake. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, you know, we were in a hurry, you know, whatever it was, it was, it was pretty funny. And I said, uh, Listen, I looked at the person and I said, this person doesn't, number one, have a taking orientation. They're a great good cop, but they're a terrible bad cop. And so if you want somebody to, to harness people and get them to focus and get things done, right, then you can't have somebody who's letting crises ride because they don't like confrontation. You need somebody who's a little more confrontational. They said, well, in the design world, those people are hard to find. I said, I know, so don't hire a designer. Mm. And he was like, I never thought of that. Like, why does it have to be a designer? You'd be better off hiring a math teacher that's great with people, has an ability to get people's synergy going, get them on board, get buy-in and get them moving and let them be the experts than trying to find an expert that can't do that. Mm. 
And so it's, are they a good motivator, a good people? Do people love this person and go to work to work for them instead of the weekend? I don't care how much they know about what you're doing. Why don't you get somebody who knows construction, not design, and say, you know what? That soffit ain't going to work there. There's no way. Here's why. They'll respect that. So Mm. just get somebody who's very familiar with construction, but is a leader and a manager and knows how to take people from here to there and make them better at what they do. Not somebody who just tolerates people because they're designer and they're conflict avoidant. (laughs) Like, oh my God, like people just don't realize that kind of stuff. It's funny because we don't. And I don't know that unless you had access to this kind of stuff, it'd be very difficult to like, as soon as you said it, well, why do you need to hire a designer or to the other guy? Like does his forgetting a laptop have anything to do with him being a good salesperson? You know, as soon as you say it, everyone listening to this is going, yeah, that's a dumb assumption, right? <laughs> and we make these dumb assumptions all the time because we're so in it, like this is the way it is. And mm-hmm. then you come along, you go like, you ask a very simple question and the answer is like, well, duh, that's really obvious. We just can't see that. That's right. And you can't because like you said earlier, we don't see people as they are. We see them as we are. And so this person is able to lead. He's a C-level person in the organization. So he just thinks, why can't everybody do this? Mm-hmm. Well, not everybody can. And so you can't teach people, tell people how to do things. It doesn't work, especially if you've got children. Yeah. You know that it doesn't work. What has to happen is you have to be able to help people understand who they are, how they're wired, how that works, and then provide them with the tools they need to be a better self. If that person isn't really wired for that kind of thing, it's not worth trying to make them that kind of thing. And a lot of people, they've got a good resume, this, that, and the other, and they're eager that means they can do it. Not necessarily like I know how to make coffee, but I can't go to Starbucks and go, no training needed. I've been making coffee for 40 years. <laughs> like that doesn't work. It's like, they're like, that's not how we make coffee. And I look at their ingredients. I don't even know what that stuff is. I don't even know how to name the coffee like they do. Like it's just coffee, but it's not. Mm. And so that's what it's like in with working with people. You have to find out. Here's another situation. We have a client that we got when I spoke out in California, I I got a client um, out of the meeting, a wealth management organization and the leader, I mean, they've been in business since the eighties. That's a long time. And he's got attention deficit. I mean, off the chart. It's very distracting for this person. Squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. (laughs) And so what's happening is, They haven't grown. They've been maintaining current clients for several years and really haven't grown. They've they've had a coach for three years. They're trying to do everything, trying to, you know, get them to do this. And so they hear me, hire me. So me and my partner who's in California, we go out to St. Louis to their company. We spend a day there. We run profiles on everybody and we do behavior, motivators, axiology. We got all the rundown on all the leadership team. We sat down within two hours, told them all the problems. And they were like, we've been being coached for three years by like a super great coach. And we didn't get this. Wow. You know, it's like 
Well, yeah, they're not behavioral analysts. You yeah. know, they're like, here's how you make money. You know what I mean? Go do this. Well, that's one thing to say, go do that. And then just like hope he does it. It's another thing to know he can't do it that way. Yeah. But what can he do? So, you know, what we did, we looked at other people in the agency. We said, here's what you're really good at. Here's what you're good at. You're going to hold your boss accountable because he can't hold himself accountable. What? Yeah. You know, and we, they're already like, oh my God. Like they're already seeing things. So what happens is new clients weren't coming in. In the early days when it was a startup, that was very stimulating for a high influencer as you, as I, that has stuff happening, right? That's the squirrel. But when that isn't happening anymore and we're maintaining, I'm 61 now. I've been doing this since the 80s. I've got a ton of money. I'm not really motivated, but I've got less I get more team members that are younger that want this thing to go because it's their bread and butter. Uh, if we can help them help him get into a position to start creating more clients, then the squirrels of leaving and going to this seminar and going here and doing this and all that will be the clients again. Mm. Because it's always going to be squirrels, but they got to be the right ones. Yeah. So we want motivation to come from growth, not from being bored and just going to seminars. And the whole company just goes like that. And so we were able to just orchestrate this whole thing, put it on paper, and then what we call, let's create the week we want. <laughs> yeah. It's so good that you say that. You know, I was just at a mastermind in Nashville and something, you know, people go to masterminds and it's always like, how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I do this? How do I do that? And I'm sitting there kind of laughing to myself because I'm yet to be at any event or mastermind, where, and you, we've spoken about this a bunch of times, yeah. where... Someone tells you, this is how you should build your business and this is the strategy and da, 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 da. And then you go back and you implement it and it works. I'm yet, I'm yet to have that experience, mm -hmm. right? Like it can lead you to something, but because we're all programmed so differently, like what worked for that guy, mm -hmm. got his whole thing going on there. It doesn't really work for you. And that's why we were talking even before, like, you know, two out of a hundred are ever going to make that happen. Yeah. Because they are motivated like you, they think like you, they operate like you, they, they see the world in a similar way. It makes sense for them. And I just find it so funny. People are just sitting there like, tell me how to do it. Tell me how to do it. There was this one guy's like, I hired this coach. It didn't work. I hired that coach. It didn't work. It was like 25 grand, 25 grand, 50 grand, nothing, 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 mm -hmm. nothing. Still at square zero. I'm like, dude, cause it's not your way of doing things. That's right. Yeah, and you know, we, I stood up at this meeting in St. Louis and I said to the company, I don't know how many coaches you had, but I think it's something like seven consultants, not coaches, consultants. And I said, I am not going to be that guy. We're not that. We're the last one. You know, whatever we got to do, we're doing it. This is it. We're finally here. Hmm. Like, that's too, that's the way you got to look at it. So if this formula isn't working, you better figure out another one. Right. So because we're here to help. Now, here's my formula. Hope it works. Where's my money? It's who are you? How are you wired? What's going to work for you? Yep. And have, doing the work of finding that out. That's a lot of coaches don't want to work. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they're coaches. That's true. <laughs> you know, they want to get on the stage and do this big dog and pony show and unroll something for an absorbent amount of money. And a certain percentage of them will do it. Yeah. But everybody else is stuck sucking pond water. I mean, yep. it didn't work. So true. You know? 
Hey, I just wanted to pause here for a second and tell you about something that I realize many of you have no idea about. So Guy and I have just released a brand new advanced training. So after hundreds of emails and questions constantly asking us, well, how do I have it all? How do I have it all? We've created the five pillars to having it all. So if any of the things we share with you here on the podcast have resonated with you, then I'd like to invite you personally to an all-new training. Now, you can register for the next live class by heading to www.satoriprime.com forward slash register. There, you'll be able to register for the next live class, or if you're one of these people that I need it now, you can always just watch the latest replay on that page as well. This, by the way, my friends, is a robust, in-depth training that will help you clearly see what's currently stopping you in any area of your life, be it your health, your relationships, your finances, or simply just maybe you want to manifest that big dream. It will help you with all of that. So again, go check it out by going to www.satoriprime.com forward slash register. And now back to the podcast. Something popped in my head. I wanted to ask you, um, because I was talking about this, it was probably this weekend. When you're doing these these behavioral analysis, right? I was reading about formative years and like how during the formative years, you know, 90, I think, I don't know the exact percentage, but they were saying like something like 97% of the way you operate and the way you view life and all that stuff is is created by the time you're 78 years old. Mm Mm-hmm. Do these tests, I mean, is this kind of what we're looking at, like that kind of old, old programming, and that's how people operate? Okay, um, so what you are born with is temperament traits. Okay. They're innate. They're inherent. Okay, they're, they're, they come with you out of the birth canal. Okay. So temperament traits. And extrovert, introvert. Unconscious extrovert, conscious extrovert, unconscious introvert, conscious introvert, Carl Jung. Temperaments. Temperaments are parts of you that really don't change much. They're fixed. Hmm. They're more fixed, not fluid. Character is fluid. Character is not fixed. Character is what you believe you need to do in an effort to succeed and survive in the world. Okay? So parents, over the long haul, studies have shown, extensive studies, uh, Dr. Steven Pinker, uh, Harvard University, uh, that parents have the least influence wow. on a child over the long haul. So you are born with a set of genes. Here's an example. So we read to our kids. We would read to our kids all the time. Every night we read to our children. Our children read. Some people say, well, your children read because you read to them. Reading parents have reading children. No. My children read because we read and they got our genes. (laughs) It's not because I read to them. They're going to read because we're readers. Both of us are readers and we've created reader children. Hmm. Now, we read to them because we enjoy reading and we want them to enjoy it too. But if you don't read and there's no reading genes, you can read to them till you're blue. They're likely not going to read. And that's a fact. So there are certain things that come right into the gene pool. So the character traits are what we believe we need to do in an effort to succeed and survive within the world. And our temperament really is what becomes what's known as our psychic energy. It's the energy in our emotions. Your emotions 
energize your actions. Sure. So people think of emotions and they're negative about emotions. Oh, they're over-emotional or some emotions or some knee-jerk reaction to something that happened, some kind of a stimulus in the world. No, emotions are fundamental to everything you do. Once you locate the emotions, I just got off the phone with a guy before we started talking. And his patient's emotion was a 98 out of 100. 98. Wow. His fear emotion was in the 70s. His anger emotion was in the 30s. And his optimistic emotion was in the 16. Okay? So what is that? Well, that's a person who has no windshield, but they got a rearview mirror. Wow. And so what that means is, if I say to him, hey, do you want to go to the beach? He looks in the rearview mirror, sees the past, and thinks, hmm, last time I went to the beach, it rained. So he's going to check the weather before he goes to go back because it rained last time in the past, check the weather, then say if he can go to the beach. A person who's all windshield and no rearview mirror has a high anger and optimistic emotion. Hey, you want to go to the beach this weekend? Yeah. Friday night comes along, they call me up saying, oh, I'm sorry, I got a bail, man. I forgot I got an appointment because they never went into the past to see if they put it in the calendar. <laughs> They're only in the future. So those things can change. That's not temperament. Hmm. Temperament is, oh, talk to Sally. Oh, you might want to not talk to Sally. She's the shy one. And, the, and Sally's four. Got it. So, She's more introverted. In other words, her energy comes from the inside, not the outside. Like a lot of those things, that's going to carry through their whole life. So understanding what the difference between temperament and character and behavior is huge. And what we help people do is identify all of these pieces. And so back to your premise, uh, how much of what happens between age seven goes with us the whole way, some, but not all. Now, the biggest influences are going to happen in your pre-adolescent into the teen years, okay, with most people because that's when you get out and find your own life, your own friends, and you want to impress them. Hmm. Okay, parents are gone, so I'm dropping F-bombs at school, but I don't even say shut up in my house because it's my parents say we, we don't use that word, right? Well, I'm not going to be successful in school telling my classmates we don't use that word. <laughs> so what am I going to do? I'm going to do what they're doing because I want to be in. So character changes. It's always fluid because it's a survival mechanism. Okay? But if you're introverted and you go to school and you've always been introverted, then how you do all that I just talked about is going to play out through Gaining your energy from the inside or gaining your energy from the outside. So that'll go through. Now, if you're brought up in a very hostile environment, um, alcoholic parents, one or both, um, abuse. Um, so that can create a lot of issues where you become very reactive to things and your brain gets a setting in there that says, okay, this keeps happening. So we've got a buffer against it. So sometimes you'll come out with a super high submissive line because you moved around so much. 
I profiled a guy one time. I looked at the profile. Within minutes, I said, okay, no wonder you're so slow. <laughs> you're like, you've got two speeds, slow and stop. <laughs> we laughed about it. And I said, Let, give me a little insight in your childhood. Did you move at all? He goes, I was in 11 high schools before I graduated. Wow. Father was a chaplain in the army. Boom, 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 moving around. Wow. So when he got older, everything's got to be in stone or it ain't going to be. Because I can't risk uprooting again and losing because he never was able to develop deep friendships. Because as soon as it gets started, they had to go. So what did he do? He learned to keep important things to himself and not share them because that person's going to be gone in six weeks, six months, mm -hmm. whatever. So you could see how, yes, how we are raised and what's going on in that environment can have an effect, but all those things can change. Like you get older, you realize this is what's going on. You get some coaching, we work with you. You can get better at all that, right? It's not in stone. Yeah. I hope that's answering the question. No, that, that's, that's exactly what I was kind of trying to look at because we've spoken about kids a lot. It's so fascinating to me how much stuff I see in them is just ingrained. Like it, it just, it really feels like they came out of the womb. Like my daughter is just mm -hmm. an absolute actress. She's, yep. you know, on stage, like wants attention, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, my son is different. He wants that stuff, just not in the way that she gets energy from it. Both of them have so much traits that I had that mm -hmm. now I get to see myself and like the way that I operate. So mm -hmm. just a funny little story. They just had a play. They both started acting. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So, so we actually offered it to my daughter because I, I, I was like, this girl's going to absolutely love it. And then my son was like, well, I want to do it too. So I was like, all right, great. Go enjoy. So my son's six now and my daughter's four and a half. And we're watching them on stage, right? So they just had the performance. And my daughter just like beaming. I mean, like lit, like a Christmas tree. She was so excited, bopping up on stage, yeah. singing, dancing, doing everything. My son is like the director, telling people where to stand. You should stand up. It's your line. You should sit down. You need to be here. I, and I'm watching because this is exactly how I was. There's literally videos of me when I'm like five, six years old. Mm -hmm. people like, okay, now it's time to stay. No, 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 sit. Not you yet. You. And my dad is sitting next to me dying. Just, he's, I was like, I was like flashbacks. He's like, you have no idea. So that's why I was, I was, we had this whole conversation. And I was like, I wonder how much of it is just like in there already. Yeah. So you see that's genes. A lot of that is gene that, oh my God, that's me. I was sitting next to my son. My son was probably 13. I was a lot thinner then. So we we're both thin. We're both sitting next to each other, watching the same show. Our legs are crossed once and then crossed again down by the ankle area. Wow. We double crossed our legs. We both had our hands like this in our laps. And we're both sitting there like that. My wife walks in and goes, uh, <laughs> if you can get an image of you guys. And we were like clones. And my son, Matt, has taken a lot after me. Not in everything, but in many things. And so, yeah. So what's important in a situation like you're describing is you just don't want to send the message. Because this is the message that's sent, not only to families, but to corporations. That, you know, early bird gets the worm, right? The outgoing 
They're the people that get the jobs. They're the people that get the promotions and this kind of a thing. And um, uh, I wish I knew the name of it now. There's a book called Quiet. And it talks about introversion and extroversion. It's fantastic. And basically, it talks about how people are so different. And you can't assume that because you talk more or you talk louder, that you're having a greater impact, you're smarter, or you can do a job better. Mm-hmm. Because when people hire, the people that speak up, the people that are forward, lean forward, speak forward, they teach you to do the Wonder Woman stance, you know, and all this stuff, right? That doesn't mean anything, and it doesn't correlate to success anywhere. It doesn't correlate. I mean, they took senators that were running for office to a bunch of college kids and showed them all the faces, just the faces, their headshots. And they didn't know who they were, who lost, who won. They picked all the winners to the tune of 70%. Based on a headshot, they chose, they guessed who likely won the nomination, had nothing to do with their policies, had nothing to do with their constituents, had everything to do with their headshot. Because people look at the cover of the book and make determinations. So oftentimes, the quieter ones can have equal to or greater than impact in the world. Yeah, But we don't know it because we think the early bird gets the worm, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. We got little jingles around it. That's what we're taught. And that's why you got to look at everything to see this person's quiet, but boy, you better watch out. Here's what they're, look at your son, not beaming, not after that, but boom, 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 able to take control of the organize the meeting just like that. Yep. But not miss star of the show. No. You see? But yet a lot of quality there. What we don't want is our children thinking, and this happens. I've got a a situation right now with a client where the daughter sees the brother as the golden boy, 4.0, all this stuff, and she isn't like that. Mm. And so she self-deprecates. She creates these illusions herself based upon what she believes about what she sees. None of it's true. Mm. And then parents inadvertently might reinforce it. Why don't you, like your brother, not, they didn't do this, but this is what happens. Why can't, like, they're, not, they're frustrated and all of a sudden they'll say something like that. That's just another straw on the back of a camel on a child that's already building a case for this. Yep. And that can be really hard to bear. So it usually, it usually comes from the parents being a certain way. So like when one child speaks the parent's language, they become kind of the golden child because it's easier for the parent to understand that child. So like I would venture to say in that household, the parents are probably super smart, whether like attorneys or doctors or scientists or whatever. Right. So like that one child is playing to the strength. The other one is a creative, for example, and they just don't get it. They're like, why aren't you excelling at schools? It's almost like they did something wrong to the child. Right. And parents treat children differently. They can't help it. You have a, a mom walking down the street with a little girl and a little boy and a, and a little dog runs to the edge of the lawn and a house they walk by starts barking. The little boy runs to the other side of the street and the little girl walks towards the dog. So the mother might say to the little girl, don't go over there because she saw what the boy did. 
you know, and it changes the way the dynamics are. Or she may look at that boy and say, it's okay, da-da-da-da-da. So she's really soft-spoken like this to the boy, encouraging him to not be afraid. But she looks at the girl and goes, get back over here. So she's firm to the girl, but she's soft to the boy, right? And so children see their parents differently. Like when you're looking at the color blue, I don't know that you're seeing exactly what I'm seeing. We're both yeah. calling it blue, but we don't know what it is. Yeah. That's the way it is with parents. So children see their parents through their own eyes. They see their parents as they are, not as they are, right? Mm-hmm. We are not as they are. Parents are doing the same thing to the children. We can't just assume, oh, they know. You know, I remember talking to my son one time up on a bunk bed. He was like nine, eight, nine years old. And something had happened between him and his brother. And I walked in there and said to my son, he's up in the bunk bed, what happened? Ba, 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 ba. You know, and I'm just, and he just starts to cry. And I'm like, what are you crying about? He goes, you're yelling at me. Mm. And of course, my thinking is, all right, you want to hear yelling? Like, that's kind of what I was thinking in my head. But I realized this tone of voice to him is yelling. It ain't like that to my other son. Yeah. So what did I do? I stopped. I took a deep breath. I said, let me readjust my voice. And I did. I said, is this better? And they said, yeah. Then I asked him what happened. Kind of find out it was Maddie's fault. Mm. It wasn't his fault. I was completely wrong. Yeah. But I could have overpowered him, right, in that situation. Um, because I wasn't listening to him. What's he saying? What's he thinking? Anyway, they're all different. And it's you got to navigate right. And you can't correct the same way. I think it's so important. Like that's why the work that you do, whether it's for families or spouses or, you know, on the corporate level, things like that, it's almost like a cheat sheet into understanding how to operate in and around that person. And I know for like parents, because that's who we, you know, like we spend a lot of time with our children and so many parents just like, I don't, you know, they, they get helpless. I don't know what to do. I keep trying. And I'm like, yeah, but my guess is that you keep trying the same thing over and 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 somehow disappointed that it's not producing another result. Like you said, the voice gets louder, but it's, it's not effective in the least. So yeah. um, I think learning things like this about yourself, by the way, um, I know you said you're coming out with a new book. Uh, yes. Next year, right? Mm-hmm. Let Let's talk real quick about the current book that's out because it does have a lot of these uh, facilities. Even if people don't end up doing the um, the sessions with you personally, so maybe just walk people through a little bit about that book um, that they can grab because okay. that's on Amazon right now, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the four people types and what drives them, um, uh, and consequently, which is a great thing, it still has no less than five stars. Amazing. So I'm really proud of that. And it really covers the four different people types and what specifically, what drives those types, what energizes those types, what they look like in combination with each other. I talk about the history of behavior going all the way back to Hippocrates, how he would people watch, how he observed the people in the mountains were vicious warriors, but the people in the meadow were like your modern day couch potatoes. <laughs> and so, you know, when you're up in the mountains and it's rigorous weather, a lion can come out of nowhere, a blizzard. If you survive that well, then it would weed out the people that were not able to deal with that kind of environment. So the people that remained were warriors. 
and they were vicious and nobody really could defeat them. But it's because they could stand the tempest of change all the time. And so today, and I equate it to modern day, you know, we don't get people living in blizzards in the mountains, although we do, but what about their home? Like how unpredictable was the childhood? Mm. So you've learned to be able to switch lanes real quickly because you had to. Now, if you originally already had that temperament, it enforces it. But if you didn't, then you grow up like the guy that will never move. So think about a stone coming. Uh, I talk about this in the book. You get a stone and a diamond, you pull it out of the ground and you look at it. It's like, okay, that's a diamond, but I hardly believe you. It looks like a mess. I put it in a tumbler and I cut it and shape it and shine it. You're like, oh my God. I'm like, hey, same stone. Mm -hmm. It's the same stone, but the environment had an effect on the stone, but it didn't change the stone and it's, and what that stone actually was. It enhanced it. So whatever you already are is going to be polished in an environment. I talk about that. I talk about people that are human doings, not human beings. Yeah. And so their energy is in performance-based living. I call it the Eros prison, where we live in this prison of performance. And I talk about those issues. Um, anyway, I even talk about different parenting types, um, how we challenge our children differently. I talk about the rules for creating emotionally healthy children, guide, guard, govern, direct, correct, protect, cherish, nourish, admonish. And I go through each one of them and what it means. It's a good, helpful tool for understanding not only your own behavior, but you will be spotting people as you read the book right away. And then how do I best communicate with those people? Yeah. And that, that I think is the biggest takeaway has always been see because you start to see people for who they actually are yeah uh, not the way that you are in other people and then as far as people working with you how how does that work so for those that are listening because i know there's going to be a bunch of people that want to reach out to you yeah so people typically reach out or if you know if you do notes at the end we can put a link in there we can sure. do we can run a special just for your listeners cool so if they want to come in and they want to click that link it takes them into you know, basically a pay page, they, they can access either the behavioral analysis or the full executive summary, which is three different assessments. It's the deep dive. Um, and they get 90 minutes with me on that. And we break down their behavior, how their brain type, what their brain type is, is it integrated, analytical, whatever, emotional, are they limbic driven? Are they operating more out of the part of their brain that solves math problems? What happens? What kind of a person are they going to be attracted to? We'll know some of that stuff. Mm. I just got off the phone with a guy. He goes, well, what kind of I said, you're going to be attracted by, to a person that's like this. I said, but if you marry somebody much like yourself, you're going to have communication problems. Hmm. And he's like, yeah, I already know that. Like, you already figured that out. <laughs> I, I've, right? I've been around that block. <laughs> yeah, but see, some people haven't figured it out. And it's too late when they're trying to figure it out. So I tell people all the time, don't you want to know what they're going to do before you say I do, <laughs> mm. you know, how, how that's likely going to play out. It's super helpful. But anyway, they could do that. And once they pay, they go right in and take those assessments and then um, they'll get an email. Thank you, whatever. And then they can book time. Awesome. It's really helpful. Yeah. And so here's what I'll do. You'll send me the link. We'll just uh, make the link for those of you guys listening in the car. It'll just be satoriprime.com slash Sisler, S-I-S-L-E-R. Um, so you can head over there and we'll- And I can put a coupon code in there. 
Perfect. They do the coupon code, they get $50 off. Awesome. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just, look, I can't recommend this highly enough. I've sent many people to Steve. He is truly the most gifted individual in this field that I've ever met. So whether you start with just reading his book to get a little more sense of who he is and what he's about, specifically for parents, if you heard anything inside of this and you know one of your children popped up in your head, have your children do a, do a test so that you can get, I think one of the stories you shared with us the first time we spoke was about a kid who the mom was really, really struggling with that was just a hermit crab playing on his computer all day long. They had no idea what to do with him. And within a conversation with you, he ended up during that year becoming like the captain of the soccer team. Yeah, that was a while ago. A while ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. He had a terrible relationship with his dad. He hadn't been around his dad in 10 years, I think. Yeah, it was something, something else like that. reconnected with his father like within weeks of that yep. call. Yeah. Uh, mother was ecstatic. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of power. And, and I think even for kids, teenagers specifically, who are just trying to figure out who they are and what they're supposed to do. I know like at 16, 17, we're supposed to make all these massive decisions that are supposed to impact the rest of our lives about what we want to do in life and where we want to go to school, which I think is asinine because I'm 36 and I still don't know what I want to be when I grow up. Um yeah. It just, I think the freedom that you're going to be able to not only buy yourself, uh, but, but give to them is just really, really powerful. What I've seen yeah. you be able to do. You know, if you make a decision on what you're going to do in life at age 17, 18, odds are about 65, 70% chance you're going to change it twice. Or if you're an average person, 22. goes to school, graduate four years, have three career changes. Not job changes, career changes. And in the end, what they ended up doing, that's not what they went to school for. Never. So some I can look at a profile and I'd, I would be apt to say, and I've done it, say, listen, it would be really good for you to take a year off, mm. relax, your brain's changing, you're a unicorn, and we get some of those. And you need to just know that you can relax and enjoy your life, have a good time, do a humanitarian effort, do something, whatever. And then revisit this. And then they come back and it's like, wow, everything, my perspective has completely changed. And when I went on this little trip, my world changed. Yeah. So that can happen. Yeah. And I think that also for the parents just gives them a lot of peace around these types of conversations, which I know can get very, very difficult. Like, again, my parents' friends who have younger kids than us, I, I, just, I just see I see the pressure that they put their kids under for all those years that they were growing up. And my parents would say stuff to them, like you're about, you're creating, this is the future you're about to create. And now sure enough, like this is the future that they're walking into. You know, I, I get that as a parent, we really want everything we do obviously is with the best of intentions, right? Like we love right. our children. Right. And so there's nothing about like you're, you're messing up your kids. I'm not saying that it's just, if the intention was there and you could give yourself some additional tools mm -hmm. on truly making that and then, you know, giving them the best life that you want, then I can't recommend this enough. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you don't want to mess with a child's temperament. It's like taking a left-handed child and tying their left hand up and making them right with their right hand, which people used to do. Yeah. My everyone and, in Russia. That was yeah. And when you do that with a child's temperament, you basically open that child up later in life 
to have issues not only with you, uh, but with other people. Mm. Um, so it's good. You know, King Solomon said, train up a child in the way that they should go so that when they were old, they will not depart from it. What does that mean? It means help your children find out who they are and then help them be their best self, regardless if it was what you wanted or not. And when they are old, they won't be trying to figure out who they are. Mm. Be you. Man, <laughs> it always comes back to be you. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody else is taken. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, Steve, as always, such a pleasure to be in your space and just soak in your wisdom. And for anybody else who's listening, if you're in the car, uh, just check out the show notes or just go to satoriprime.com slash Sisler, S-I-S-L-E-R. Steve has offered to even give you guys a coupon code and then just great access to his world. And um, I hope you do guys go check him out. So with that, have an amazing day. We'll see you on the next podcast. So one last reminder before we wrap up here today, if you haven't already grabbed the app that all of your fellow Satorians are going gaga over, then I would recommend to do it right now. Well, I guess if you're driving, maybe not just this second, but when you get a chance, go to your iTunes or Google Play Store, search for Satori Prime and download it today. You'll get access, like I said earlier, to an amazing and life-changing 10-part mini-series. And if you want to know the clear steps to create the have-it-all life for yourself, this app is an absolute must. Like I said, and you can hear in my voice, we are incredibly excited to share it with you and be with you inside of our community. So we'll see you there. So that's it, my friends. That's today's episode. I just want to thank you for being part of our Have It All family and truly, truly thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help or give back in any way possible, the best way would be to share this or any other episode that you loved with your family, friends, or colleagues. And if you'd be so great as to just leave us a rating and a comment on either iTunes or Stitcher, whichever you use, that helps us tremendously. It only takes about two to three minutes of your time and would mean the world to us. Finally, I want to let you know that if you want to get even more exclusive content from Guy and I, just head over to satoriprime.com and make sure you join our mailing list. Now, I know what you might be thinking, God, not another mailing list, but I promise you, you'll only get an email or two from us per week and it will always have amazing videos and articles that I'm sure you're going to love. Promise. So until next time, you can join our ongoing conversation at the Have It All Facebook group where you can let us know how we're doing and what we can do to improve. Love you all and we'll see you on the next Have It All podcast. Have an amazing, amazing day, my friends. Mm -hmm.